0: This is Ahead in Tech, career journeys of extraordinary people in tech and interviews that help you get ahead in your tech career. Hello, welcome everyone. I'm here today with Neil Stud. Neil, good morning and welcome and how are you? Hi, Sanjay, It's an absolute
1: pleasure to speak to you. I, I never need an excuse. Uh, I'm doing really well. We're having a really weird time with the weather in the UK where we just had one really, really hot week and this morning it's just, it's freezing cold. I've had
0: to look a heater out. I know. This is, this is the typical British summer, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah fingers crossed we'll get a little bit more good weather before the end of it yeah i mean it's still only what Ju- july right so yeah, exactly. one or two more days maybe yeah we've got we've got a couple more days of july left so uh, a really uh, interesting one today that i've been really looking forward to and it's a first for head and tech because you're in the sort of qa and test space and you're the first person we've had uh, <laughs> as a representative of that industry it, it's it's an absolute honor. I hope there's not too much pressure on my shoulders. But I, I think one of
1: the things you'll find is that I think I think Devon tests it a lot closer together than certainly traditionally
0: has been thought. So uh, I'm hoping I could, I could bring some uh, testing ideas onto the podcast. It's really weird. It's kind of like how the real, real world works. You know, testing is like uh, an afterthought and it's like one single person and everything's going to be blamed on you. <laughs> there are some myths that do still need to be busted and uh, I, I will do my part. Okay, excellent. And none of that's going to happen, by the way. I'm so, I'm so, likewise, I'm always really happy to to talk to you because we were colleagues once, once upon a time, a long time ago. Um, it, so, it seems a long time ago, but uh, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot yeah. has happened in the world since then. It has, absolutely. And a lot's happened with your career, a lot of interesting things. So you've got a brief introduction to you. So you've got something like 20, almost 20 years uh, in the sort of test space now, maybe 15 to 20 years or something like that. Um, you've worked at some really awesome companies all the way up to like a tech lead role in places like Oracle, Compare the Market, Supla, Money Supermarket, and now you're a senior engineer at uh, Postman. Correct. Yeah. Almost breaking news. It's a, it's a brand new role.
1: Uh, but yeah, one of the things about being in the industry for, like you say, nearly 20 years now, a I, I get used to being called a veteran as a, you know, the euphemism for being old, which uh, I'm used to now. <laughs> but I really have seen yeah, a, a lot of change during that time in the industry. I mean, when I look back at the, the very first job that I did in test, I don't think they would employ a human being to do that role anymore. Uh, I think test has probably changed more than any other discipline in tech. Uh, if, I, if I just massively generalize, for example, a developer still writes code, they may do it in a different language or using a different tool, but the actual day-to-day job of a tester has completely overhauled. The, those early jobs that I did mm-hmm. were very much manual testing. They would be things like I would have a written checklist that I'd have to walk, walk through and just tick things off and say whether it's a pass or a fail. And as you say, they were working for organizations who traditionally would release very, very infrequently. We'd work on desktop software that would release maybe annually. So you'd have a test team that, let's say in January, they get a specification saying, here's all the things we're going to build. And you wouldn't hear anything more from the developers until, you know, the summer at the earliest, uh, because they're all in their own room. The test team are locked in their own room as well. And then there comes a point at which uh, the product is thrown over the wall to the testers. And this is why dev and test traditionally had a very poor relationship was because developers only ever got bad news back from testers. You know, here's all the lovely work we spent doing six months on and testers are telling you everything that's wrong. Uh, and that's why we've had a massive shift since then, obviously, to, to bring Dev and test closer together and to be talking more. Uh, but, yeah, traditionally, test was a, a discipline where a lot of the work was, was done very, very manually. Uh, and that's what certainly gave it the impression historically of being a, a less skilled job. Uh, so there was always, mm. uh, again, a myth that. Uh, a tester was just a, f- a role for a failed developer. If you couldn't make it, well, you could be a tester because what skills do you need to do that? Uh, and thankfully, mm-hmm. we we're a lot closer now to codifying some of those skills that we do need to make tests uh, to be seen as a, a skilled discipline. And certainly the the growing role of automation in testing uh, is, is helping to push towards that because testers do need to, to gain more skills
0: than they have uh, historically in the past. I guess nomenclature sort of comes into it now as well, because yeah, you know, now we have terms like SDET, Software Development engineer in in Test, which has been around for quite a while now, you know, but it's proliferating its way through the industry, right? Yeah, like a lot of things, it was popularized by Google. Everyone heard uh, James Whittaker
1: explaining that that's what they did at Google. So that's now what everyone wants to do. And, and for some teams, mm-hmm. it's the right thing. And for some, it's not necessarily. The most important thing for me when you're making that sort of change, um, to, to a role is how you go about doing it. I, I've been in some organiza- organizations where they've decided to overhaul their testing infrastructure and say, okay, now you're, you're no longer test engineers, we're gonna call you SDET, Software Des- um, Development Engineers in test. But because that's a completely different set of skills, uh, in order for you to demonstrate that you can do that role, we're going to have to put you through a redundancy process, so that you can demonstrate your ability to do this new role. Mm-hmm. And and that was a difficult process to go through because even though I was I was being told Neil, it's fine, this is just a just a formality. We know that you've got the skills to do it. I certainly had colleagues for whom that wasn't necessarily the case, for whom this was a serious challenge, not just to their professional skills, but you know, effectively their mental health. They're being told. We've just we've changed our mind about what we want from you, uh, and now you're going to have to demonstrate whether you know we're going to consider continue funding you, uh, continue paying you and employing you. Um, on the other hand, I, I think. Uh, this is where something like mentoring really comes into it. there's a, a really strong testing community out there uh, there's there are many groups out there but one of the one of which is called the ministry of testing and it's a community driven group that's uh, a peer group where they they host conferences and get togethers and meetups and online discussions around the subject of testing and can really so you, you should really really help to push each other forward and i think you need to have yeah, so sort of like-minded peers around you that who are who are helping to to grow, and that, that's that's where I try to come in as well. Um, although I'm someone who's who's been in testing for for twenty years, and um, although <laughs> like everybody, and this is kind of a running theme of the podcast, although I do certainly have my share of imposter syndrome, I also now have an acknowledgement that that's part of the territory. So it, the imposter syndrome is still there, but it doesn't affect me uh, as much as it used to. What it does make me realise, though, is that I have this this amount of skill that i bought up built up over the years and part of the 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 onus on me is to start passing those skills on to other people and that's where my involvement in things like communities is really really important to me i see that as as much an important part of my job as as anything else because it's helping to to raise the bar of of what testing uh, is doing
0: i know you you don't you get very embarrassed by people saying things like this. But, you know, you are a bit of a thought leader in this field. I won't go on about it because I don't want you to turn red. But, you know, uh, you mentioned Ministry of Testing, which you're very heavily involved in. You have your own massive podcast yourself, which you can tell tell me about in just a second. Yeah. And you've got a lot of other works <laughs> going on. Yeah, so one of the podcasts that I do, uh, it's a, a deliberate rip-off
1: of the BBC's Desert Island Discs and it's called Tester's Island Discs. And it follows the exact same format as as the BBC show in that I get a, a different tester on each month and we talk about their career, uh, their progress through that, their particular areas of expertise. And also then we intersperse it with clips of their favourite songs so people get to know a bit more about the, the person behind the tester mask as well. Uh, and yeah, I, I uh, absolutely adore putting content out there, not least because that's the kind of show where Uh, I mean, I'm there as a host, as a chairperson, but people aren't there for me. They're there to hear of the different guests that are coming through uh, each episode. And that means that I can, (laughs) I could be the linchpin, but actually
0: it's the guests that are around me that is the most important thing. I feel you. So if people want to uh, find you or reach out to you, um, where can they get you? So that podcast you can
1: find at www.testersislanddiscs.com. There's a a Twitter feed at Testers Island, which is basically just for episode announcements. It's quite infrequent.
0: So, covering the past a little bit more, I mean, we've come so far, right? And there's this broad range of companies uh, uh, in our space who either are using testers or should be using testers, but maybe aren't. Lots of lots of companies in the tech space. How have things sort of progressed? Like, are people? Getting more and more on board with the concept of yeah, we need um, integrated QA and it's got to be automated and it's it's every bit as valuable as our development. Uh, and and then who's who's sort of innovating in this field? Yeah, so I think uh,
1: since there's been a, a massive uptake in in agile, that that obviously has brought testing closer to to the development process. Uh, it's been in theory. There's nothing to stop us from being involved every step along the way from like a requirements breakdown and, you know, sitting there and helping to, to drive out test cases from the start. It means also we've seen it a push into fields like TDD. So you have test-driven development where uh, in theory you're writing the tests up front uh, and then writing the code to make those tests pass. Uh, and that means that there are yeah. opportunities for developers and testers to pair together, uh, which is something I, I've really enjoyed. I, I love sitting alongside a developer and I can see them writing code, and I'm saying to them, just let me know when you think you're done with that bit. Cause I've got the next uh, spanner to throw in the works. You know, I'm just thinking of like four or five mm. next things that are going to, going to ruin things that I want to, uh, to try and inject as early <laughs> as possible. And, um, It means obviously, I mean, I don't want to turn this episode into buzzword bingo, but there's a load of other initiatives around testing, uh, one of which is called Shifting Left, which is the idea of of testers getting involved earlier in the process, which which theoretically has been there from the start, right? Even in a waterfall process, Uh, ideally the the tester was given a a requirement spec up front and then they can write tests off the back of that and that's shifting as far left as they can get. But what it means is, is, yeah, testers are effectively part of the process and this is where um, an SDEP role really does come into play. I would really love if we got mm-hmm. to a position where there isn't even a role called a tester anymore. I'd love to just have, have uh, engineers whose focus is quality in the same way as we have engineers whose speciality is performance or security. I think if you get rid of some of that naming, I think it makes the conversations easier to have because a lot of the barriers that I've come ag- come up against in my career have been things like, we don't think testers are supposed to do that, or we didn't invite you to the meeting because you're only a tester. and I think if you mm. get back to that approach of, no, we are one team, it's just that I have to have more of a focus on quality than others. I think that's a really useful place to get to. Um, and again, you mentioned like, who were who the thought leaders in this space? Um, some really good reading around this area. There's a couple of great books by Lisa Crispin and Janet Gregory called Agile Testing. And then um, maybe six or seven years later, I think there were more Agile Testing. Um, so those are two great mm. books about uh, how testing in particular fits into the Agile process. Um, There's a really useful set of of principles that have been put together by two testers called Alan Page and Brent Jensen. They've put together what they call the modern testing principles, which is very much like the Scrum principles, but they're, they're focused on testing. And they're very, they're very pragmatic and very broad. They're not like, they're not how to test. These are things you want to think about while you're testing. And they include things like, we want to encourage the entire team to have a focus on quality, but that also, we acknowledge that by doing so, we may diminish the need to have a dedicated person called a tester because it's this weird paradox we're mm-hmm. in where we're saying we want everybody to be able to test. But if we achieve that, then are we doing ourselves out of a job effectively? And I think there's always going to be a role for a testing specialist uh, because you know developers
0: only have so much time on their hands. They, they can't suddenly start spinning the testing plate as well, as much as we might all like them to. And there's this, uh, I spoke about it last week uh, with my last uh, guest, um, uh, who's in the management space but he speaks about the t-shaped individual like everyone has to have a broad range of knowledge but then have specialization so uh, presumably there'll always be that need for someone deeply specialized in qa yeah this is uh,
1: something that, that that alan and brent go on a lot about as well uh that, that we also call uh specializing generalists where yeah you you have this broad mm-hmm. knowledge but also we happen to have the specific area of expertise that maybe. Uh, testing as a whole, or even just some speciality within testing, uh, and that's that's an mm. area that I think there's room for people to still make their, their names in themselves. I know a lot of testers who have specific skills in, for example, security testing, who are the go-to person that if I needed any help in my in my role, I would reach out to, to them. And again, it's it's, it's this whole community of, of, that's that's around the world. Of you know, we have thought leaders in not just in testing, but in individual segments of testing as
0: well. It's a really, I'm in some ways, I'm really jealous of the little community you've, you've got going on because I feel like, you know, you're all, you're generally speaking kind of slightly isolated. So, you know, you have to reach out to a community and you've got a very friendly, tight knit community globally, really, don't you? I think I think that's part of it because yeah, we we used to have these whole in our internal
1: companies, we'd have the test team who all sat together. Like I said, you know, in a closed off little room. These days, we're lucky to get one tester per team. Uh, quite often, a tester is, is actually spanning several teams or several projects at a time. So, like you say, having this this wider peer group that you can go out to uh, is is really useful. And yeah, I, I I um I I find it
0: endlessly rewarding to be to be a part of. Just on a sideways tangent, I wonder. Because, you know, like if someone wanted to become a developer, they could go to a boot camp. Are there mm. QA boot camps? How do you, how, what's, how typically does a person become a QA? This
1: it's historically, it's been a very difficult thing. Anyone who's been in, in the testing industry for more than, I would say, 10 years um, will always start this, this discussion by saying that they fell into testing because there was no defined route into it personally i graduated out of university i was i started to be a journalist and i really really wanted to do that Um, i became very disillusioned during my degree course uh, when i noticed that the people getting the best jobs were the ones who had pre-existing collections it was a very cutthroat industry Uh, at the time it was a very honorable industry that seems like a long time ago now (laughs) that's still like the early 2000s it was still something you might aspire to be but, when I came mm-hmm. out of university i uh, I joined a, a local digital media agency in Peterborough. Um, the idea being that maybe there was still a way into the, the journalism route for me, uh, and actually, I, I broke into that the the, uh, the website of things do there they, they were producing a lot of, of online output for their uh, industry events and things uh, so that was a particular particular route that I fell into these days there are Uh, This is one of the challenges. There are um, what we call certifications out there for testers. Um, There are some groups, one of which is called the ISTQB, the International Software Testing Qualifications Board, I think. Uh, It's been through various names over the years. I think that's their current name. And they offer things like what they call the Foundation Certificate in Software Testing. And that will give you basically it's the equivalent to what a theory test is to a driving test. It's a multiple choice exam. Uh, That frankly, uh, and I've demonstrated this before, I have put this multiple choice exam sample paper in front of someone who's not a tester and just said, can you just go through and answer this? And it's one of these these quizzes where you could pretty much stumble your way through and you could pass that foundation certificate without without doing much more than even reading the exam carefully. Um, So there's this concern that a lot of employers will ask for, well, have you got your ISTQB certificate, which doesn't necessarily mean are you skilled at testing? And this is where we are looking for other routes to get testers uh, involved and informed. Uh, And again, the Ministry of Testing, I don't want to to plug them as the only company, the one that I'm most familiar with. They have a lot of um, uh, initiatives around this. There's something called the Software Software Testing Clinic. Uh, I think they're they're currently rebranding it to Software Testing Essentials, which is a a series of online workshops that are free to sign up for, that again, are peer led. So I've been a mentor at one of these sessions before. And again, they have like week, week by week or month by month they will have sessions where they'll set, be very broad like what is testing or what is exploratory testing or how do you get better at asking questions of your stakeholders and they're very much focused towards giving experiential um experience that's a rubbish phrase <laughs> they're getting people used to the, the act of testing it's getting over that catch-22 mm. t- t- um, situation where you've not got the experience but you can't get the experience until you've had some experience uh, so I think that a lot of it is being driven by the community. Um, there's another initiative that's being led uh, by Simon Pryor, um, which is called uh, Make, a Test, Make a Tester, uh, which is basically, he's trying to look at more ways that we can get testing onto the syllabus at in like computer science courses and that sort of thing. Uh, these days, we're lucky if there is a module. And again, that module <laughs> has often been around for a decade or so, and testing is moving so fast that it's educating people mm. in things that don't even exist in the real world anymore. Uh, it, so it's trying to find a way to keep, um, the wider world apprised of, of what testing is becoming, which is,
0: is far different from what it used to be. I guess like half the industry kind of really appreciates and knows exactly what you are talking about, you know, and would one hundred percent value it. And then the other half, you know, kind of just hasn't been exposed to it, right? But in my experience, they're very open to it because I've worked in smaller and even medium-sized places where they haven't had a big emphasis on testing, and there is maybe not even been a dedicated test on every single tech team, you know, mm. but. Whenever I've suggested the idea or introduced some testing, they've always been very open, but I feel like they, they just don't have that experience and knowledge in the past. I think the danger is most people only realize the need or the value of a tester after they
1: pass the point where they needed one. It's, it's you know, how could we have caught yeah. this problem or how could we have stopped this entire project going off the rails? And a lot of the time it's, well, if we had a dedicated sort of analytical voice up front, and sometimes that can be a BA serving that role, but yeah, sometimes you just need someone there to ask the questions and, um, one of the things that we're fighting back as an industry against at the moment is the, the phrase QA uh, which stands for quality assurance uh, the, the, that's another one of the big myths we cannot assure quality we can look at something and see that it has been seen to work under certain conditions but we can't make any guarantees that it's always going to work in that way because software is infinitely complex but weirdly one of the good things about the the acronym QA it could also stand for question assurance so I assure you I will always ask questions about the thing that you are building. So when people
0: say, say that you're a QA, I say, well, maybe not in the way that you think I am, but I can I can make the acronym work. That's fantastic. I've never heard that one, and I'm gonna put that in my little bag of tricks. <laughs> Where are we at right now? In in the industry in terms of testing? I know you you maybe have, I know I'm pretty sure you have exposure to a lot of the tech landscape, but you're almost in a very privileged position because you're this kind of like shining North Star who's been going from like awesome role, that awesome company to the next one. I think, I think the shining is mostly that I'm on fire.
1: I, I, I am massively in danger <laughs> of, of burnout at times. But uh, as, as an industry, I think we're in a place now where we at least recognize what we want testing to be. I don't think necessarily every company has got there, but I think there is this understanding of the importance of um, building testing from the start into our projects. The importance of having things like uh, monitoring and logging in production to make sure that we're catching issues that we've missed, uh, like as a safety net. Uh, the benefit of um, just having testers involved in the conversation, because uh, testing is mostly it's an information business. We're trying to get information to tell you whether something is the high enough quality to release or whether... Um, you know, your expectations of a particular feature have been met. Uh, and software uh, building in, in general is it's, a, its always a communication business. And when things go wrong, it's a communication problem. You know, I thought you were building that, but you misunderstood and have built this, or I didn't communicate clearly enough in the first place, and now we've gone off on a tangent. Uh, and so I think testers serve an absolutely pivotal role in, in being that communication piece in, in, in the process. I think the big challenge is working out from um, how, how to get from where we are to where we want to be. And a lot of that is an upskilling challenge. A lot of it is ideally we want our testers to be able to contribute towards automation, even if they're not the ones writing the framework up front. We certainly want them to be the ones maintaining them and understanding what's going on with them and extending them. Um, But for for certain testers, that there is a a skills challenge to get there. Um, And for certain people, it's just, it's not what they want to do. I had an experience recently where, I'd been helping a fellow tester to upskill and they've been doing really well and they've got to about the level that I wanted. Uh, but it turns out they simply weren't enjoying this new role. Uh, they they decided to move on because this new vision of what a tester would, was gonna be was not for them. Uh, and I'm really glad they found a, a role that is for them. But I, I think we have got this, it's this kind of this, this sort of, this gap we have to bridge of where we think we are versus where we want to be and how we're going to get there. And, uh, th- there's some challenges in closing the skills gap, I think.
0: And really when you get deep into it, it's a massive space that could have tons of specializations within specializations, right? Because it, it brings so much more to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And it differs
1: from company to company. I mean, there, there are organizations, for example, for whom performance testing is not very important because, you know, they've got a dozen paying mm-hmm. users and, you know, they they're, they're that's driving over the revenue or whatever their business is versus organizations that, that I've worked for and we've worked for where you're getting literally millions of users a day and, and you know, a half second degradation on a, a single API call is the end of the world. And so depending on where you are, suddenly you find mm-hmm. a completely new set of focuses um, that, that need to be made. And this is always a challenge when you change jobs or you change teams and go, actually, this thing that I've never really been much involved with before is now the most important thing in the world to me. And like you say, it comes back to being, to being one of these T-shaped testers of, uh, you know, if suddenly performance is the most important thing in the world to me, then I know the names of some performance testing tools. I know I've had some experiences with some of them in the past. I know who I would go and talk to if I wanted to find out more about them. And it's, it's having that kind of that, that all encompassing survival guide as a tester of, you know, I don't need to know everything. And I acknowledge that I do not know everything, but I've got a pretty good idea of who I'd go to talk to. if I wanted to know more about anything. Uh, And that's, that's, a position that makes me feel a lot more comfortable.
0: That's great. And I imagine there are maybe some lonely testers out there who should uh, not stay alone anymore and uh, should reach out to the community, which is very uh, warm and opening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah, the, the first step is recognizing that you have that problem. <laughs> and there, there is a, a test community out there. Like I say, yeah. um, I, I've plugged Ministry of Testing a lot. You can find them if you, if you Google for their name. Um, my Twitter is at Neil Sutton. I'm always happy to, to give guidance to anybody. Um, Certainly, I, I don't think a tester has, has ever thought that they've, that they've known everything. I think as opposed to, I've certainly worked with some senior developers mm. who think they certainly think they know everything. I think the fact that the, the, the number of different things <laughs> that you find to have exposed to, the number of different situations means
0: that we always have this
1: nagging doubt at the back of our head of, you know, there's always more to this than we may realize.
0: It's always, there's always that uncomfortable feeling when you kind of, that something kind of clicks and you go, oh no, I've, I've done something bad. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm about to make a huge mistake. I better, better reverse stop. Yeah, uh, I but, I I could tell a so, few horror stories. Uh, uh, <laughs> go ahead, give give me one without getting anyone anyone in trouble. Um, What's the funniest one that I can remember?
1: It's, it's actually one of a colleague of mine who I won't name, although they have told this story in public before. They were um, running a, a security test tool uh, that's one of these tools that goes through and it spiders all of the links on your site to can you make sure all the pages are reachable, make sure that, you know, everything can be, can be touched, whatever. Oh, yeah. um, they made the mistake of running this. I don't think it was in production. I think it was only in a the, in the test server, but they ran it in the admin portal of their website which every single page included a link to delete that entity from the database. So this spider fired off and went, delete, 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 delete. It clicked every single um, link. It did its job. And in doing so, just wiped their test server. And they're like, I should not have run that in that scope, in that context. And thank wow. God it was a production. Uh, but it's these things, sometimes you need to do these things once to go, because now I'm never going to do that because I'm never going to forget that story. <laughs> and, but yeah, again, it's the benefit of shared community of, of you
0: know, no one, no one died. Uh, we can be thankful for that. And uh, what a great discovery to make that there's that flaw in your system, you know, that needs fixing, right? Because you shouldn't be able to do that, should you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: this, it's one of the things, again, I, I've been talking a lot about like the myths we have to bust. And one, one of them is the sentence that people say that triggers me, which is uh, no user would ever do that. Because as soon as I hear that, I go, well, someone might and someone could. And what happens if they do? <laughs> it's, it's one of those things you should
0: never say to a tester. Is it common in your experience for developers to move into test and vice versa um I've certainly seen it certainly more since we've we've
1: reached um, this position where we're trying to get SDETs, which um, it's it's a more technically skilled tester it's um sometimes also called a, a toolsmith so it's a developer who is building tools that will be used uh within the testing process and sometimes that's automation frameworks sometimes it's it's you know an actual test harness that can you know support data extraction or some sort of tool that will help make a tester's job easier. And that has been an interesting draw for some developers I've certainly have worked with some who um that's that's the most interesting thing they do you know they 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 find the the day job to be you know not unrewarding but but very familiar and then they they step into this other space and go actually you've got these all all these practical problems where if I solve them, I can see the benefit that it's bringing to you it's personally it's one of the things that, that I enjoy most about the role is you know there is t- it's tangible benefit to what you're doing rather than just oh, I've, I've, I've tweaked a few fields in the back end that are going to support our database a bit better, but no one's ever going to know about. You know, here is a tool that I've produced that is going to uh, reduce our test cycle by, you know, 50% or six hours. You know, it's going to shave all that time off. Uh, so I, I think there is certainly, there is, is room for, for developers to get involved. And at the very least, there is always benefit in, in developers and testing, to, in developers and testers pairing, be it on a development task. So a tester is sitting there watching what a developer is doing. And even if they don't, you know, if they can't understand all the codes being written, it's helping to get that, that tester towards a position of of what I call code literacy, which is, you know, you recognize what a function is and what a parameter and functions look like. And once you know that much, you go, oh, well, why is that function got two parameters? Why haven't you done anything with that second one? And you could begin to have those conversations and understand, understand the flow of data through your application. And it gives you room to spot where problems might occur. And in the same way, if a developer comes over to the tester side, you know, the, the dark side, shall I say, um, they understand, you know, some of the challenges that we face, <laughs> you know, that they, they watch us, you know, maybe we're spending half an hour trying to put some users into a database to, to help support our testing. And they go, well, actually I've got, you know, a SQL script or something, or a shell script that I could run, that could do that for you, you know, in five seconds, if you want to, you know, I could give you a hundred users with this script. I could change this and suddenly uh, you, this could become a, a real central part of your testing. And that's where developers and testers working in harmony, um, is a, a position that it
0: can only benefit the entire team. Where are we, where are we heading now uh, in, in test as an industry? I think, well, for a start, where, where is everybody headed right now? I think
1: with with uh, pandemic and hopefully post pandemic situations is a, is an interesting one. Uh, certainly, we've, we've all now got experience of of remote work. Uh, I still remember working for organisations, including Compare the Market, where we would work from home one day a week as a benefit, and uh, but that was still it was still kind of derided. Mm. Like people would say, "Oh, you're doing your gardening tomorrow, are you?" <laughs> I, I think now that everybody has been had an enforced mm. period of, of remote working, I think there is an understanding that. Um, There is a skill to it and there is a discipline, but the discipline is making sure you don't do too much work rather than than not doing enough. It's finding those boundaries. Uh, And I think it's been a really interesting time for communication and development in in the past uh, 18 months or so, because as I say, that communication is absolutely pivotal to building quality software and, and getting things right first time. And it's the gaps in the communication that cause problems to occur. So I think as testers, we are learning to become better communicators. We're maybe having to get over some of our our um hang-ups i i think it would be fair to say i think testers maybe historically are slightly more introverted because they are people who like to be analytical they are you know they like to be keep themselves to themselves i think that that drives more introverts into testing and yet now we've all been put in this position where you will not get any work done unless you reach out to somebody who you can't see at the other end <laughs> of the screen and say actually i do need your help right now and you, you're not going to survive if you're not able to do able to do that so I think there's already been a massive shift towards testers being comfortable with communication. Uh, I think that can only improve uh, the, the future for us. I think we're heading towards a position, I, I suggested, you know, what if we get rid of the role of, of testers and just make uh, quality focus to engineers? Um, I feel like that's where we're heading. I think if we looked, you know, 10 years down the line, the idea of a, a purely manual tester is maybe, it's maybe not one that would exist. But certainly uh, one of the big things we're trying to, trying to push right now is the fact that what we call exploratory testing um, is a human driven skill. So the ability to to look at something and establish whether it's the right thing. When you build your automation, um, what what we call automated test is actually a series of binary checks. So we're saying, we have programmed the application to do X, Y, Z, does it do it, yes or no? And that test will pass or fail. What it won't do is spot things just outside the corner of the automated test eye that aren't quite right. The sort of thing that a human would notice straight away. You know, if if you're verifying in your test, check that the uh, page has a header that says my homepage. Um, And the test finds that test. If The automated test finds that and it passes, great. What if that text is written in black on a black background? The automated test won't spot it. The human will look at it and go, well, that's not right, is it? You know, something's gone wrong with your CSS or whatever. There is always Mm -hmm. going to be the need for that human analytical Mm -hmm. eye to make sure that you are building the right thing in the first place and that everything is actually delivered on itself. So I think what we're going to see is while we're, everything's pushing towards the idea of an SDET role and, and technically skilled testers, I actually think there will be, um, like the role of an exploratory tester might actually become more firmly codified and be the alternative to that. Whereas at the moment we have, um, you know, do you do automated testing or manual testing? Um, the two work hand in hand. And I think there's there's the ability to specialize in either or both. Or, uh, and I think, I think, yeah, more codified, um, boundaries between those two roles might, might emerge in the years to come
0: that's that's really interesting what you said there um and i'm curious is there any um ai or machine learning developments happening in the space is that becoming integrated into test
1: for a start i mean ai is always an industry buzzword so um for, for years and years there have been the com- people have been have been pushing their 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 tools that came to be, to be doing these things um and things like self-healing tests for a long time i think that was just a buzzword but there are tools that are beginning to break through into the space that are able to, to do that sort of thing Um again whether that is all there is to testing is very very questionable you can certainly have automated tests that are that are robust and more reliable because of things like ai but whether that leads to the right thing being built is another thing and certainly for testers there's an um, ai is causing other interesting headaches right now, like like with, with GitHub Copilot coming along, which is AI that will it will claim will write its code for you. It, it does things like it uses machine learning to, you write the title of a function and it will go and go, okay, you must mean this, uh, which if your function is called calculate the square root of two numbers, I'm sure is great and will build you the right code. But when you start declaring your code in terms of like the names of entities mm. or, or abstract concepts, how well that's gonna go, I don't know. I've seen some really interesting videos online of people demoing this one of which was um they they fed like like coding challenges into copilot and it produced some code and they copied and pasted this code into the the, into the coding challenge app and it passed and um the person running the video was like that's great but i don't really understand what the code does so they they produced this whole chunk of code in seconds and went apparently that's good enough now we as testers will stand back and go hang on you've got code that you don't know what it does you just think it works in certain situations um how how alarming is that for us? There, there is a real danger <laughs> that, that AI could can actually make tester jobs much harder in the future. If we're having conversations with developers where we're saying, um, "What code is this?" or you know, oh, what, "What did you write this for?" and they go, "Well, I didn't write it; the AI did." <laughs> That's uh, again alarm bells. Mm. Up, okay. Yeah, it's certainly a, it's an interesting time to to be in. Uh, tester's lives are, are never dull, and and I think that the more initiatives like like AI come along, uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> the more it's going to keep us at a job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys. And girls love a challenge don't you yeah another of the myths we're all trying to bust is that testers don't break things if, if they're broken they're already broken all we do is reveal that they are broken the only thing we break is a developer's mm. myths about the quality of an application mm. uh, but yeah i i love a challenge <laughs> and it's, it's certainly when i when there's a website that i'm using that you know launches a new feature the very first thing i want to do is actually let's let's see how how that Uh, stands up Uh, I I do some occasional videos on YouTube I run a series called let's explore where I just put myself unscripted in front of an application and say well let's have a look and see what this is doing Uh, and I I do that with with new features and applications as well Uh, Mm -hmm. it's yeah it really uh, invigorates me and I think say it helps to to explain what it is that testers actually do because it is sometimes a bit of a dark art they just they see us as a black box that they, that they throw code at and then they get some mm-hmm. some bad news back or, you know, maybe some good news but uh, there's a bit more to us
0: <laughs> Postman is very, very lucky to have you. Um, do you want to tell me a, a little bit more about your role and what you're doing there. So yeah, uh, Postman
1: for those who don't know is it's is an API uh, development platform where you can build and test your APIs uh, and, and it's, it's expanding all the time, so uh, it's a really useful tool for collaborating within a team um, so that you can again, build your API specification up front, then build out your endpoints. You can use Postman itself to build mock endpoints so that you can serve data up before the, the real application exists. And again, it's it's all part of this, this multi-discipline uh, communication uh, platform f- for building software. Uh, it's, it has a desktop application, uh, there's a web-based application. There's there's so much more to it than that. There's uh, It has built-in monitoring so you can actually, it can alert you to the health of your endpoints uh, if, if something goes wrong. And as an organization, they're one of the the most dynamic that I've ever come across. They have uh, major offices in both Bangalore and San Francisco. So time zone wise, I sort of sit right in the middle of those. I'm kind of one of the only people who could talk to, to both teams because I'm the only one awake mm-hmm. overlapping. Um, but they also, they have, a, a, they themselves, I mean, I've, I've mentioned that a lot the importance of community. They they are a hugely community driven organization. They do a lot of things themselves in like the live streaming space, in terms of online workshops and how to use the tool. Uh, I'm beginning to get involved in some of them, those myself. Uh, for, for myself, it's useful that, that I'm allowed to work remote, remotely as well. So I have uh, this lovely office here that I, w- I have built for the purpose. Uh, the pandemic has taught me that the working from home is a really important benefit for me and, and for my family. Uh, and so the fact that they're gonna allow me to continue Continue doing that uh, while working for an organisation that is, is so interesting. Um, it's absolutely brilliant for me.
0: And they obviously care about you a lot because they've put all this soft padding up around your walls so you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> yes,
1: this, this this is my studio where I, where I do, do a they, lot do they of audio let you recording. Out once it, in a while,
0: yeah, it does look a bit like a padded cell, but I appreciate that. <laughs> they they slide you your meals through a door there, do they? Like between <laughs> tests. Is that the deal? Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. And when, luckily, when I get on camera, I can I can blink uh, if I've got problems. But uh,
0: no, I've been, been well treated. <laughs> okay, good. I'm sure you are. Uh, Neil, this has been an absolute, an absolute ple- pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk testing. Uh, I, I could do it for, for hours more. And, and any, like I say, anyone
1: who wants to reach out to me and go, that thing that you mentioned in two words, are, are you interested in talking more about that? The answer is always yes. Brilliant. But before I let you go, I need the joke of the show. <laughs> so I've always been very much into dad jokes and I became a dad last year. And I think it's kind of has cemented that, but I also like jokes that have a little bit of uh, nerd culture in them where you need to have a certain amount of knowledge to get them. Um, so I have a joke that sort of meets both those things perfectly. And it's a little bit interactive if you know how a, the structure of a knock, knock joke works. Uh, so it goes knock, knock, race condition.
0: Who's the, uh, Nice one! <laughs> well, thank you very much. You got me, you dang tester. <laughs> and that's all, folks. More info, links, and everything else can be found on aheadandtech.com. Thank you, and please subscribe.